morning, church. Hey, Sarah. <laughs> Good morning. Um, great. Yeah, I need another cup. Uh, it's great to be with you this morning. Um, and we are, we had planned to end our series today in Silver Linings. And, and I don't know about you, but the more that I've spent time in 1 Samuel, the more I wish that I had given us more than five weeks. Um, because there are, is a lot of material in here. There's a lot of wisdom uh, in, re, in looking at the different finam, family, finamily, family dynamics um, and, and how God worked through them and in spite of them to accomplish his purposes. Um, and I wish that we had, we'd given, I wish that I had given more time to this. Um, but I was challenged uh, by another pastor this week and um, so I have added another week. So next week we are going to be uh, in Silver Linings one more time. We're actually not going to be in First Samuel, but I was challenged um, by another pastor, and I'll give you more, more details about that next week. Little little cliffhanger for you. Um, but we will be talking about being stressed by family, amen, and uh, also being blessed by God for one more week. So um, I've really enjoyed this series, and I hope that it has been a blessing to you. And what we're doing in Silver Linings is um, just being upfront with the idea that, yes, we all have family, and yes, we all have family stress, and that stress can lead to silver linings uh, in our hair, what we might call stress highlights, um, gray hair. Uh, sometimes we might just want to skip the gray hair and just pull it all out, um, but alas, we don't. Uh, many of us don't. Anyway, um, but in the midst of that, in the midst of trying to love people and in the midst of trying to help people and trying to do what's best for the people in our family, um, we sometimes come into conflict where we say, well, God, I thought you were blessing me and I don't feel real blessed right now. Like, what is it that you are actually doing? And so we have zeroed in on this time in history where what God does within a particular family actually has ripple effects and, and, and things that we have felt even today um, because of what God did in one family that has carried out throughout history um, for their nation, but also even with ramifications for us. Um, and I just, I have enjoyed it a lot. I, I say all that to say I've enjoyed the, our time together. Um, and I hope it has been uh, a blessing to you as well. And as we close the series today, we're going to be in 1 Samuel, and we're going to jump to chapter 12 of 1 Samuel. So if you want to turn in your Bibles there, if you want to use one of the blue Bibles, it's in the chair. It's on page 294, or you can navigate there on your app or, or whatever. Uh, and it sounds like Kid Nation's off to a good start. Yeah! 1 Samuel 12! <laughs> um, and if you look at that heading, if you look at that heading in 1 Samuel chapter 12, it says Samuel's farewell address. Well, um, if you've been walking with us over the last couple of weeks, you may feel like, well, what do you mean farewell address? He just got started. Last chapter he was a, or two chapters ago he was a young boy, and then he was a grown man in leadership and appointing his sons into leadership um, and, and the nation was then seeking a king because they didn't like his kids. Um, and now his farewell address, like did he give up and resign? Actually, no, we actually are skipping a number of decades in history 
The nation asked for a king, and Samuel appointed a king. His name was Saul, and Saul actually did what the nation wanted them to do initially. To begin with, Saul fought their battles for them, um, but shortly after doing so, became obsessed with himself, and having received power as a gift from God, he suddenly became obsessed with maintaining it. And, and if you read the life of Saul, you'll notice in the beginning, he was serving the people, and as his life progresses, in the later scenes of his life, you'll see him always grasping his spear. Every time they describe Saul, he has his spear in his hand. And I think that that is just a, a picture of um, anxiety and paranoia about, I have this power and I need to hold on to it. And every time I'm visible, like I've got my spear, I'm ready to defend it. And it just really is uh, kind of a sad, um, a sad story that... God then, because of his behavior, removes him from leadership and sets up David, who we all like to, to cheer for. But before we get there, we're going to pause in 1 Samuel chapter 12, um, when Samuel is essentially getting ready to die and leaving public office, um, and what his closing words were. So before we begin, I'd like to invite you to pray with me. And I'm going to begin, I'm going to open us up in just a time of prayer um, for some things that are going on in our country. Um, and then as I get through that, I'd like to invite you to pray with me the disciples' prayer, um, the model that Jesus left for us to pray. So let's pray together, church. Almighty God, we, we pause in a busy week, a week with a lot of noise and a lot of distractions, a lot of cares and concerns, um, and, and we've gathered together as your people and want to um, follow in your purposes. And God, one of the things that you've instructed for us to do is to pray for our leaders, um, however it is that we might feel about them or the decisions that they have made. God, we do pause now and lift up the leadership of our country. God, we pray for um, their health. God, we pray for their wisdom and their discernment. And Lord, we lift up, um, <laughs> we just lift up our nation to you. It, it, it can feel overwhelming and divided, and maybe it is. But God, we, we find comfort in your word that you are in control of all things and that we can trust your good guidance and your good hand. And God, even when, um, even when you are rebuking us, you are doing it in love. So, Lord, we just pray that you would lead us and that you would guide us. Oh, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Would you give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So 1 Samuel chapter 12, I'll begin in verse 1, if you'd like to read along with me. And Samuel said to all Israel, Behold, I have obeyed your voice in all that you have said to me and have made a king over you. And now, behold, the king walks before you, and I am old and gray. And behold, my sons are with you. I have walked before you from my youth until this day. Here I am. 
testify against me before the Lord and before his anointed, his king. Whose ox have I taken, or whose donkey have I taken, or whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed, or from whom, whose hands have I taken a bribe to blind my eyes with it? Testify against me, and I will restore it to you. They said, you have not defrauded us or oppressed us or taken anything from any man's hand. And he said to them, The Lord is witness against you, and his anointed is witness this day, that you have not found anything in my hand. And they said, Yeah, he's, he's a witness. So we'll pause there. So Samuel uh, describes himself as old and gray. So that's uh, kind of the categories he's thinking. And he's lived a, he's lived a long life. And we, we began with how his story opens up. His story, the life, this life of what God, the story of what God is doing in the life of the nation begins in kind of a backwoods town with a, with a little-known um, lady who really wants to have kids and can't. That's not where we expect to find God doing great things, and yet that's where he chose to begin in the life of Hannah to set up Samuel. And as, as God blessed Hannah with a child, she blessed God by dedicating Samuel to the Lord. She took him to the temple and she allowed him to grow up in the tabernacle serving the Lord. Um, and, and Samuel came to a point in his life where, where the word of the Lord was revealed to him. He, began, he had been working in the tabernacle for a long time and hadn't yet met God. He had done God's work but hadn't yet met God. But when God showed up and said, hey, Samuel, Samuel said, here I am. Speak and I'm going to hear you. And that was the pattern of Samuel's life. When God spoke, Samuel heard and listened. <clears throat> heard and listened. Uh, if we have uh, any kind of communication with people at all, we know that there is a difference between having heard and having listened. But Samuel heard the Lord, and he listened to the Lord, and he walked in his ways. So here at the end of his life, we've, we've jumped a number of decades. The guy gets up in front of the nation that he has led and says, all right, let's uh, call me to the mat here. Open up, open up my records. Anybody who has a charge against me, I want to hear it. Who have I taken advantage of? Who have I stolen from? Who have I abused? Who has any kind of claim against me? Now, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but uh, sometimes the, the nature of relationships with people is they can have an offense against you that you didn't even know about. Um, I can remember there was a time, um, I've been out of my hometown for a long time, but there was a time where I had been away for a little while, I think I'd been in college, and I came back, and I ran into this young lady whom I used to ride the bus with. I hadn't seen her in five, six years, but we used to ride the same bus. Um, and I hadn't, I hadn't seen this girl for a while, and I'm talking to her, I'm asking if she's still living in the same area, how her parents are doing, all that kind of weird stuff that you try to make up to talk about with people you haven't seen in a while. Um, and uh, we're getting ready, and she says, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm glad I ran into you, um, and I'm, it seems like you're a nice guy. I'm like, thanks? She's like, I have hated you for six years. I'm like, okay. Uh, she's like, you said mean things to me on the bus, and I have hated you for it, and I thought that you were a terrible person, and like, I'm really kind of glad that you turned out not to be such a jerk. And I don't remember what I said, um, but I must have said something. And 
I'm thankful that she had the boldness to say, like, hey, you used to be a jerk, and I'm glad you're kind of not now, because uh, I wouldn't have ever known. But I was completely blindsided by this. This person that I thought had nothing between, I, I knew her name, and I knew kind of where she lived, but I didn't, like, I didn't think we were friends or not friends, and just kind of a, a neutral person in my life. And she's like, no, 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 you really hurt me by the things that you said, and I had no idea. So I can't really imagine, I have a hard time wrapping my head around a guy like Samuel, who grew up in the public service, like literally grew up in public service, uh, serving at the tabernacle week in and week out for years and years and years and years. And maybe he's 60 years old, maybe he's 70, maybe God has blessed him with 80. I don't remember, I didn't look up how old he is when he died. Um, but he served for a number of years, and then to stand up publicly and be like, hey, anybody got anything against me? That's, <laughs> I don't know that I would ask for that kind of friendly fire, if you know what I'm saying. Like, I'm not sure that I'd take off my bulletproof vest and be like, anybody got shots to take? Let's, let's make this happen. But he does it, right? Um, and what's interesting to me is they say, yeah, we got, we got nothing, Sam. You're a good dude. You haven't stolen from anybody. You haven't taken advantage. Like, you, you, haven't, you haven't said any hard words that weren't warranted. Like, he had some hard messages for people. But at the end of his life, he can turn around and say, hey, have I walked with integrity? Do y'all have anything against me? And they say no. The integrity of God's messenger is, is, is kind of important. Somebody told me one time never to trust a skinny chef. <clears throat> that if, if there's somebody who is cooking for you, then they probably ought to be enjoying the things that they're cooking. And if you, if you have a skinny chef, like you probably just shouldn't trust them. Um, I don't know if that's true for chefs. I'm sure there are like some vegan chefs that can stay skinny and stuff like that. Um, but like this guy is a chocolatier. And I don't think I would trust a skinny chocolatier, right? A dude who makes chocolate delicacies for a living. Like I want that guy to have some, some uh, uh, skin in the game. Let's, let's say that, right? And here, with Samuel, he's a guy, his profession is to be God's mouthpiece. And the integrity of the messenger isn't just like that he can say nice things on a Sunday morning, but then he's a jerk on Monday. It's a lifestyle. Like, I want you to see that this is who I am. This is not just an act that I'm playing. This is not just a profession that I have that I was born into because my mom left me on the doorstep of the temple when I was a kid. Like, no, I have bought into this and I have walked in my integrity. I am taking what I'm selling. Examine me. And there's a, a sense in which I get, like, super... Impressed by that, this, this person who has been completely transformed by their intimacy with God, not just somebody who knows the right answers, but who lives them out, uh, it seems like kind of an anomaly. And I want to be super impressed by Samuel. But I think sometimes we approach the Old Testament and we see these people and these people that seem like anomalies to us, and we go, wow, I could never be like that dude. That guy's crazy. Like, I don't know how he, how he did that, how all the temptations, all of the opportunities he must have pre been presented over the course of decades of, in public service of people wanting to use his authority to try and get a couple extra bucks on theirs, and then they'll get a break over here, and like, it's just a small compromise, those kind of things. I can't imagine the amount of opportunities he had to do this, and he walks in uprightness, and I want to be really impressed with Samuel, but that's not how the Bible is written. 
It's not meant for us to get so fixated on the servants of God that we are like, yeah, I could never be like those people. It was to be fixated on the God who brought up this kid from nowhere. Who had no, no, like, he wasn't even supposed to exist had God not been involved, right? His mom begged God to please send me a child. I'm barren. And he does. And the kid grows up and, and does it. Like, this is God's, like, as we look at Samuel and as we see the integrity that he has, like, let's not be so impressed with Samuel, but that God can still work in a fallen world to those who are willing to submit to him and to follow him. Is God the hero of our story? When we, when, we, when we tell our story, like when we, when we tell people about our lives, when we, share, when we share with our kids the things that we've walked through, is it about the ways that we stood strong and the ways that we persevered and the way that we buckled up our bootstraps and got things together and, and made it work? Or is the hero of our story how God stepped in and how he provided when there was nothing and how even though I should have been condemned, he still loved me and he still moved me forward and how even when I didn't understand what was happening, I stepped out on faith and God still showed up and he didn't owe that to me. I'm kind of a bonehead. I'm a little bit of an idiot. And, and yet I thought maybe I can trust God with this and I did and he showed up in ways that I couldn't have even imagined. Is God the hero of our story? When people look at us and they hear us talk God stuff, when they hear us invite, us, invite them to church, are they looking at us like, you're awful skinny to be selling chocolate? Or they're like, he's taken what he's selling. She's bought in. I see God's fingerprints all over. Do we follow his word out of love for him and, and gratitude for the, the many blessings that he pours out? Do we then love our neighbors as ourself? Is God the hero of our story? And in a series about family, and in a series that has tried to be upfront with like family doesn't always work out the way that we plan for it to, things are stressful sometimes. Um, family doesn't make me happy the way it makes other people happy. <laughs> what is going on? Like, maybe our biggest takeaway for the whole series, but for the morning in particular, is that God teaches us about himself through the family that he places us in. God's goal... <laughs> in working in our life is for us to understand who he is and for us to follow him and love him. And so each of us may have different family situations. Each of, some of us may have great families. Some of us may have terrible families. But each of those, some of us may just kind of fall in the middle. We're kind of normal. But, but wherever we find ourselves and whatever kind of family situation, whatever kind of community that we are embedded in, like the thing that God wants to move us towards is to teach us about himself. And there are times where we look at things in our family and go, that's not like God. And I understand God better. Or that's exactly like God. And I understand 
God better. God teaches us about himself through the family that he places us in. You might be saying, all right, Mike, that's, that's a little bit of a stretch. Well, let's, let's look at the next paragraph, and I hope to make it a little bit more clear. Um, just a heads up, there's a lot of old school names in here, and some of them are just names of places. But I'm going to go ahead and read the whole paragraph because uh, the thrust of the image um, I feel like is best felt when we read it all together. So I'm going to read this next paragraph. Um, and if you'd follow along, I'm going to begin in verse 6, 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 6. And Samuel said to the people, The Lord is witness, who appointed Moses and Aaron and brought up your fathers out of the land of Egypt. Now, therefore, stand still, that I may plead with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous deeds of the Lord that he performed for you and for your fathers. <clears throat> when Jacob went into the land of Egypt, and the Egyptians oppressed them, then your fathers cried out to the Lord, and the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. But they forgot the Lord their God, and he sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hatzor, and into the hand of the Philistines, and into the hand of the king of Moab. And they fought against them, and they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and have served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. But now deliver us out of the hand of our enemies that we may serve you. And the Lord sent Jerubal, and Barak, and Jephthah, and Samuel, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side, and you lived in safety. And when you saw that Nahash, the king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us, when the Lord your God was already your king. And now, behold, the king whom you have chosen, for whom you have asked, behold, the Lord has set a king over you. If you will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, and if you both, you and the king who reigns over you, will follow the Lord your God, it will be well. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you and your king. Now, therefore, stand still and see this great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not wheat harvest today? I will call upon the Lord that he may send thunder and rain, and you shall know and see your wickedness is great, which you had done in the sight of the Lord, in asking for yourselves a king. So Samuel called upon the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. So Samuel calls and says, hey, what do you guys have against me? And they say, nothing, like, you're good, man. He says, all right, then I need you to listen up. And he gives him a little history lesson. He, he says, all right, so the Lord is witness. Like, you have said that there's nothing, and the Lord, like, is going to be a witness to this. He's going to see. He's going to remember. And the Lord appointed Moses and Aaron and brought your fathers up out of the land of Egypt. So, so this is the God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, who delivered you from slavery and brought you into this land that we're standing in right now. Samuel ties their history to their present and says, God is here with us today. So listen up. Jacob went into Egypt and the Egyptians repressed them. You were in slavery. And the fathers cried out to the Lord and the Lord sent Moses and Aaron who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. So God gave them the land that he promised to them. God, God has delivered them. And do you think they know that? Like, don't you think, don't you think Grandpa 
has told this story a couple times? And don't you think they hear it pretty regularly? Like, oh yeah, God delivered us up out of the, the, uh, the, the hand of the Egyptians. Remember that one time where we crossed the, the sea and then we crossed the river? And that's what that pile of rocks over there is about. It's about that time that we crossed over the river on dry land. And like, it was flood time and everything should have been super wet, but it was dry where we were walking. So we put up these rocks here so we could remember to tell you the story. And so every time we walked past there, we'd tell you about that one time that God helped us out, right? Don't you think they know that? Don't you get tired of people who just tell you the same thing over and over again? Like, t- t- I get it. And sometimes I feel like I'm that guy. <laughs> sometimes I feel like I'm just like, hey, yeah, like, I'm sorry that like, there's things going on in your life, but Jesus, like, Jesus, like, I'm, I'm trying to point you towards Jesus. And it's like, Michael, don't you ever have another answer? It's like, actually, I kind of don't. I've only got one. I don't know how it all works out together, but I know it all goes together towards him. And so Samuel stands up and says, hey, don't y'all remember the great things that God has done? He brought you to this land. Y'all didn't live here. Y'all didn't own it. There were wicked people here with big armies. Remember they were giants and how God just kind of kicked them out and y'all destroyed them even though you didn't have any kind of military power, although you were a bunch of slaves, like all you had was pitchforks and you went against armies and walled cities and they were conquered? That won't you. That was the Lord. And then as soon as you got in the land, you remember what you did? You forgot. And we turn to the things he beginning, he's beginning to bring up are from the period of Judges. <clears throat> he sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hatzor, and in the hand of the Philistines, and the king of Moab, and they fought against them. This is the period of the Judges, he says. And then you cried again, cried again to the Lord because you sinned, and you forsook the Lord, and you served the balls. And then the Lord sent Jerubal and Barak and Jephthah and Samuel. These are judges that God used to deliver them. Like you, God did these things and then you forgot and you rejected him. And then God delivered you through these guys. And then after having been through all that, you have another army that's coming against you. And you say, all right, this whole judge thing isn't working out for us. We need a king. And God gave him a king. And now the king's, the king's sitting there. Like, it's kind of interesting. Samuel appointed the king, and now the king's there. He's like, hey, here's your anointed. Here's the chosen one that God picked to be king after you guys demanded to have one. He's right here. So now, what are you going to do? This is the question. Now, what are you going to do? If you will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, if both you and the king who reigns over you will follow the Lord your God, it will be well. God starts with what he has already done. And there's a big sense of talking, we talked about it uh, with some other folks this week, there's a big sense in which God's character and knowing who God is, is wrapped up in what he does. The things that he does reveal who he is. And even if we cannot describe the character of God, even if we cannot come up with words that tell of how awesome and powerful, like even if the only words that we have are like majesty and we sing those words over and over again, that's why sometimes people criticize worship lyrics for being so simple, but sometimes like we just run out of words to talk about how great God is. Like there is a way that we can understand his character by looking at what he has done. And so to recount the history is to point us back to God and God points us towards what's best even when we disagree with him. 
And so after all of this, Sam says, hey, it's the dry season, right? You're supposed to be harvesting. And we don't have this so much uh, in Florida where we have like definitive seasons where there's a season where it just doesn't rain at all. And then there's a season where it just doesn't stop raining. And then we go back to where it doesn't rain. I mean, we kind of do, but we have like wet days and dry days and it kind of depends. Like for Israel, it actually is very definitive. There, there, there's dry season, zero rain, zero, zero, zero rain. And then there's wet season, all the rain. And then there's dry season again. Hey, we're in the middle of dry season. You're not supposed to have any rain. You guys, just to confirm, like, I've stood before you, like, I've asked if you verify my integrity, and I've told you this story, and you're not really sold on the idea that maybe it wasn't the best idea for you guys to get a king, but just to confirm that I'm, like, telling you the truth about this, it's going to rain now. And there's thunder clouds on the horizon, and it begins to thunder and lightning. And there's confirmation that the thing that Samuel is saying is true. The weather anomaly confirms the message. Which just leads me to ask, will we prioritize remembering the way God has acted in the past? And I'm hesitant to ask that because in, in some senses that can lead us to a dead religion that we come and we rehearse, we recite, and, and, and we repeat, and we remember. But if we don't prioritize that, we real quickly get distracted, and we become overwhelmed by the things that are pressing and the things that feel urgent, and we forget that God is in control of all of the things. So will we prioritize remembering And I use that word because that word shows up in Scripture a lot, but I think that there is a difference, and I don't have another word for it. In the same way that there's a difference between hearing and listening, there's a difference between remembering and remembering. There's a difference between like, oh yeah, I know that, and oh wow, God really is faithful. You see, I don't have another word for it, but do but you see, like, there's a subtle difference there? So when I say, well, we prioritize remembering, I don't just mean remember, like, oh, yeah, I know these facts. I can, I can ace a Bible trivia quiz. Because that's, that's well and good, but if you can ace the Bible trivia quiz and you don't know the one who wrote the Bible, then you've missed it. If, if you've got doctrine XYZ nailed down and you can articulate all of the different things, all of the confessions, like that's, that's a great start. But if you've done that and you've missed intimate relationship with the God who makes these things work, and it doesn't matter. So don't just remember, oh yeah, I know that. Remember, oh God is good. I can trust him. He will walk with me. He is with me always until the end of the age. Remember. Because God teaches himself about, teaches us about himself through the family he places us in. See, the nation of Israel didn't exist until God got involved. He made it. And he brought them through and he's done a whole bunch of work with them. And so he's essentially made a family here. And maybe they've, they've gotten big enough that they've forgotten. Their, they've gotten too big for their britches. They got a king now. They're a real nation. They're out on the world stage doing it. And he's like, hey, y'all are still just a family. Don't you know you're Abraham's kids? Don't you remember Mo and Aaron? I set all that up. Right? 
And maybe I did all that because I want you to know me. Not because I'd like, like to be in control, but because I want you to know me. Let's read in verse 19. First Samuel chapter 12, verse 19. And all the people said to Samuel, pray for your servants to the Lord your God that we may not die. For we have added to all our sins this evil to ask for ourselves a king. And Samuel said to the people, do not be afraid. You have done all this evil. Yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. And I will instruct you in the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all of your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. <clears throat> A couple of points here as we are wrapping up. And this is really the, the, the crux of the message and the crux of the series, I think, in a lot of ways. Our communities are made by God. Like you see here, the Lord formed you and brought you out, and the Lord put you all together. So we're talking specifically about the nation of Israel, but as we consider our families, like understand that God designed your family too. And God is not bound to, uh, I don't know how to say this, God's not tied up and confined by our sin. See, the nation here says, we have sinned and we've asked for a king. And God's like, yeah, that was sinful. That was a thing. And yet here we are. And you know what? I'm going to use this. I'm going to use this for good. Not just for you and your nation, but I'm going to use it for good for the whole world. I'm going to set up an everlasting kingdom that all the nations will come to. But you see here, he calls it sin. It was sin. And there's a sense in which we can be real skeptical to call things sin. And we can be real hesitant to call things sin. It's uncomfortable to tell people, like, that thing that you just did was a sin. And especially when, when, when there are other people that were not involved with the sin that now have to deal with the sin, right? It's uncomfortable. And yet, we see here that Samuel doesn't shy away from calling sin what it is, but he also doesn't write people off when they find themselves in these situations. They're saying, yeah, we have sinned against God. He says, yeah, you've done this evil. That was sin. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe some people that I grew up listening to would be like, that's it for you. You're done. You sinned. It's over. But that's not where Samuel ends with this. He says, do not be afraid. You have done all this evil. Like, what? hold on. What do you mean? 
What do you mean I've done evil? Like, and I'm not supposed to be afraid. Yet do not turn aside from following the Lord and serve him with all your heart. Like, yes, you've come to a place where you've understood that, that you have sinned. And if you haven't come to that place, like, you just give yourself time. You'll, you'll figure it out. But does that lead us to run away from God? The God who forgives? To say, I don't deserve his kindness, which is true. But now I'm going sh- to shelter myself from him. I'm going to hide from his people. I'm going to ex- excuse myself and remove myself from the community of people that will call sin, sin? Or is it, no, like, I've sinned and God is willing to forgive me. And so I'm going to turn in. I'm going to double down on him. I'm going to follow him. We have failed. And we've failed in our family. And we probably failed, I don't know, it's almost 11 o'clock, seven or eight times this morning. We screw up. We don't do anybody any favors by saying that we haven't. But we also don't do anybody favors by dwelling on the failure when God's grace is greater. God's great grace calls sin what it is and invites us to abandon it. Acknowledge the sin. Yes, say, this is a sin. And then turn away and follow God and seek to find the way to move forward. And spoiler alert, you probably can't do it by yourself. Spoiler alert, you can't do it by yourself. If Jesus had to come and die to make a way for it to work, like you're going to need him on this. But God pours his grace into our deepest family griefs, whether they're the result of sin or not. His grace is sufficient. And there's no need to be afraid of learning God's design, whether for our lives or for our families, because the whole story, cover to cover, all of this is a story of how God takes the thing that's broken and redeems it. And we'll talk a lot more about that next week, but the key to this passage, the key to this series, the key, I think, to our lives is in verse 24. Only fear the Lord. Serve him faithfully with all your heart. Is God the hero of your story? For consider what great things he has done for you. Will we prioritize remembering God's activity? Because God teaches us about himself through the family he places us in. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word and thank you for the stories that you have recorded for us. We thank you that we can trust you and your heart. Thank you that it is your desire to redeem and to restore and to take what is broken and make it better than new. Oh, Lord, we need that. I need that. God, if we have not yet turned to follow you, God, would you help us to respond positively to that invitation? We haven't said yet, I want to follow Jesus. And you're drawing us in today, Lord, I pray 
that we would make that decision, that we'd begin that journey. And God, if we said it once or a thousand times, there's been many moons where it was yesterday, Lord, would you go with us? Would you guide us in your spirit? Lord, would you build a, a faith community around us to walk with us through the redeeming that you were doing in the world? God, we can't do it alone. We need you. Would you teach us? Would you remind us? Would you walk with us as we follow? It's in your name that we pray. Amen.